What's up, guys? Welcome. Coming to you live from Farmington Hills, Michigan. Your host, David Chandra. And your host, Jill Patel. I hope you guys are doing well and staying safe. Today, we have a brand new guest, Dr. Haywan Chu. He is a podiatrist from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, Dr. Chu, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Hey, how's it going, everybody? My name is Haywan Chu. I'm a podiatrist. Uh, finished training in 2016. I've been, been in practice for about four years now. Um, I guess you will, I can kind of go a little bit of, of a background of how I started and all that. Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tell us where it started. So I, Tell us where you got into podiatry, your love for medicine and everything like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, grew up in San Francisco to typical Asian tiger mom parents. So they pushed me to being a doctor. Um, and so that's kind of like where my, um, career path has been driven towards and I've always had a knack for doing things with my hands. So I wanted to be a surgeon, um, you know, to be, uh, Frank, I was applying to allopathic medical school. Uh, I had a pretty good MCAT, which was average for matriculants. And then, um, the APMA sent me a CD and showed me that, you know, what podiatry was all about. Sorry, my dog is out here too. So at the same time I was struggling with, um, uh, I was kind of competing in triathlons in college. So I dislocated one of my perineal tendons. I've been dealing with an ankle and uh, ankle issues, knee issues and flat feet. So I saw a podiatrist to get cancer for custom orthotics. And, you know, we talked about my ankle and um, I realized that podiatry is a path that I could potentially pursue. So I switched from allopathic medicine to podiatric medicine and, um, uh, eventually got in, um, you know, I took a year off between college to figure this stuff out. And, um, two years after college, I started podiatry school. Okay. Where did you go to undergrad and what was your major during undergrad? Yeah, I went to UC Santa Cruz in undergrad. Um, they have a pre like a pre-med major called health sciences. Uh, it's kind of a cool major cause they actually, uh, force you to do five semesters of Spanish, including a semester of medical Spanish. Okay. Um, which, you know, I never knew I would end up using, but being here in New Mexico, I use it in my private practice and I surprise my medical staff every time I, <laughs> I use a bit of Spanish. I can't, I can converse better than I can understand, yeah. which is really frustrating because I'll tell them everything that I need to tell them. And then they start speaking, I'm, I'm lost. Yeah. I, can't, I can't understand the thing you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. No, yeah, I, and then, yeah. Oh yeah. And then I went to podiatry school at uh, Temple University. So I flew out to Philadelphia for that. Okay. So, so what made you go out to Temple? I know that you're from San Francisco and that's the exact opposite side of the country. What made you or drew you into Philadelphia? Yeah. Growing up in San Francisco, I mean, I, I knew that uh, the school was in Oakland and I never been there, but I just, you know, growing up, you, you hear all the kids say, oh, don't go to Oakland ghetto. So I did, I wasn't too interested in going, <laughs> going to CSPM for that. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, um, I did apply to all nine podiatry schools and I think like Temple and Des Moines were one of the first two to interview me. And then pretty soon after the interview, I got an acceptance letter. So I just canceled all my other interviews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was like Temple was the place you wanted to go to and you kind of made the decision to go there for school and how were your four years during your schooling and how did that shape you into who you are today and your decision into residency and things like that? 
Yeah, Temple was a great school to be in for me growing up in California all my life and being in the Bay Area. It's kind of like a weird little bubble. Yeah. Because all my friends were first generation Chinese Americans. And to go from there to Santa Cruz was a little different, but still quite a diverse population of students. And then when I went to the East Coast, that's quite, you know, it's pretty different. Um, so there's some culture shock and um, kind of you got to grow a thick skin. Yeah. <laughs> chill in the east <laughs> definitely um uh yeah i had a great time in philadelphia i actually went into it with kind of a mindset of oh i'm going to do sports medicine i wanted to be like the podiatrist for the eagles or something like that yeah um and through yeah it's kind of funny how things change because i i spent a lot of time volunteering at various sporting events i was actually at the boston marathon when the bombing happened at the medical tent so that oh, was wow. quite an experience yeah um so um yeah uh-huh. and you know I, I continued to do like try to stay active through school um things like that but uh eventually i i met my now wife in school so she's also a podiatrist who was a year behind me Okay. Um, that's the coolest takeaway I got from <laughs> Temple. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> it's actually interesting you say that because the last two months I was in an externship in Los Angeles and then I came out to Philadelphia. So I got to experience a little bit of the West Coast and then yeah. a little bit of the East Coast. And going back to the going back to your story about how you were able to speak Spanish and they required a, a Spanish class from you during your undergrad, um, it was a lot of the doctors that I worked with there were fluent in speaking Spanish. And I was completely confused because I don't know Spanish at all. And it was completely new to me. I don't even know the basics. So I can see uh, where you need that, especially when you're in those uh, areas of the West Coast, for sure. So um, tell us a little bit about, I know you mentioned earlier how you got into podiatry and that experience that you had in the past. And I know you mentioned that you also were interested in sports medicine. So did you work towards that or was there something else that kind of grew uh, grew on you while you were in school during your clinicals and your externships and everything like that or residency that you wanted to focus on um, as opposed to sports medicine or in addition to sports medicine? Yeah, so um, actually just kind of backtracking a little bit before I started podiatry school, you know, they have that requirement that you got a shadow of podiatrist for X number of hours and they sign off and then you can apply. Uh, the podiatrist that I chose to shadow was Dr. Amal Saxena. Okay. He's a, in Palo Alto. He's a, hundred percent sports medicine podiatrist. And he was actually the podiatrist for uh, the track and field team at the Rio Olympics. So, okay. uh, he's treated a lot of elite athletes and he's got his own book and a lot of publications. So he was kind of the one that inspired me to do sports medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, so all throughout productive school, I've been thinking that I was doing sports medicine and I, I didn't had a paper published with him. Um, but in residency, like I, so in residency, I, I, I went to VA Palo Alto okay. affiliated with Stanford and there, yeah, you know, veterans have a lot of chronic issues that we're treating. So it, becomes almost like a limb salvage center whenever you're working at a VA. You see a ton of wounds. Um, and for me, work, in my first year of residency, um, I remember the most impactful moment was w- the first leg that had infection so bad that we couldn't save it. And oh, wow. um, I was the first year resident on call, so it was my job to communicate with that patient that you know the infection is just too bad, we couldn't save it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the, the family and the patient started crying and, and it just impacted me so much that I was like, you know, I think like there's so much complexity to this mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm thinking like, what if we've done this? What if we've done that? Like, is there something different that we could have done to possibly have saved this leg? Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you know, the mortality increases quite a bit after you lose a leg. There's like, I, I forget the stats exactly, but somewhere in the range of like 50%, 50% mortality in five years after BKA. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's probably even higher than that. I, th- I think it's, was higher than like prostate cancer and colon cancer. Wow. So mm-hmm. those, that kind of made me realize how impactful um, limb salvage can be on a patient's life. And these are also the sickest of the sickest, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to really uh, manage a lot of things and, and really use your brain and kind of be creative because every patient is different. Um, and there's very little like textbook answer for a lot of certain circumstances. So um, I find myself being a pretty, um, flexible thinker. Mm-hmm. So limb salvage kind of came more natural to me. Um, mm-hmm. and plus, you know, working at the VA and working with the Sanford residents, I had a lot of internal medicine uh, training that I carried on with me. Um, so that's when, you know, after, after I basically, after experiencing kind of the first limb loss, yeah. that's what drove me towards limb salvage. Definitely. Yeah. No, I think one of the biggest things that we see during uh, in podiatry, especially slim salvage and a lot of, you know, the um, other specialties might see people that are very sick. But even in podiatry, we see the same as well, too, like you were mentioning. And, and the fact that the mortality rate increases when you have when you've lost a limb, when you've had a BKA, it, you know, it's something that we don't always necessarily think of, especially me as a student when I'm on an externship and I see it. I'm like, oh, it's just another surgery that we're doing, but it increases the chances of them worsening and becoming even more sick than they were previous to that. And uh, and I think podiatry plays a major role in helping patients go through these processes and uh, situations when they're very sick or when they have a systemic infection that is, you know, raging throughout their lower extremity. So kind of going off of that, tell us your experiences during residency. I know you went to and went and worked in the VA, which is different, like you mentioned, as opposed to other hospitals. Tell me, tell a little, tell us a little bit about why you chose that place and how you chose that place and what your experience was like during residency. Yeah, so um, as an ex, or as a student, you don't have too too much information on what your experience is gonna be like. So I think that's why it's cool that you know social media is a little bit more prevalent. There's a lot more information out, but still, like it's hard to do your research on. Um, what the experience is like at different hospitals and you only get an X number of externships to choose and then you go there and experience it and even that your experience is limited because for example um, uh, in my uh, so I'm in New Mexico right now in private practice and there's one residency program in the state of New Mexico and and they are associated with the VA Uh, the New Mexico VA residency gets a ton of core students and externs and clerks and they all rotate through, through the VA, mm-hmm. but none of them experience what it's like to work with the docs in the community. So uh, I actually worked for that VA for a year and a half. So I, I did have a chance to work with a lot of students and residents, uh, but since transitioning to private practice, uh, I haven't seen a student in, you know, since I left the VA. So that kind of shows that like, you know, the, the students don't get to see, 
their experience working with the docs outside of their clerkship experience, whereas mm-hmm. the residents do have that experience. So, you know, as a student, you can only see so much. You can't see the entire picture. Um, when I was applying to externships, I was mostly looking to go back to the West Coast. I guess like you supposed scared me too much. And yeah. <laughs> I want to be close to my mom and dad and in case they need help and I'm nearby. Yeah. Um, you know, they're healthy and all, but it's just like one of those things where, you know, I just want to be closer to home. Um, just in case I need help them out or uh, in, in case, and to the other thought is like, I'm thinking to the future, I want my practice to be near the West coast. So mm-hmm. if I, I ever need like my parents move in with me, so I can uh, kind of help them as they're aging, that's something that I can do. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the biggest thing that made me look for West coast externships, which was difficult being a student in the East coast, yeah. but not that difficult because I am from California. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny when I was doing all my shadowing, I met a ton of CSPN students and they, you know, so, you know, they, they knew that I was a, a guy that grew up in uh, San Francisco and went to this school that all their friends knew. And at some point uh, they, they, forget that i went to temple and they'll yeah. go, hey you remember this teacher and i'm like no i didn't i went i didn't go to your school and you yeah. know yeah um, so I, it just felt more at home for me to be back in the west coast mm-hmm. um that's how i ended up being at the va because it was pretty close to uh home in san francisco and it's one of the you know, i just throw a dart at a bunch of west coast programs and that's what i get yeah was there anything that stuck out about the va to you other than the location wise and that being home to you Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, the cool thing about being a VA resident is that you are primarily managing your patients. Mm-hmm. And I, that was the thing that impressed me the most when I was visiting is that uh, 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 most other programs, podiatry residents right. are consultants. Uh, but at a VA, we're, um, we're primarily managing. So I was the one kind of changing the insulin sliding scale, changing blood pressure medications, um, primarily managing their pain, um, all those things. And sometimes it gets pretty darn complex. Like one time I had three consults on where I need to consult endocrinology, um, uh, like oncology and nephrology, and they were telling me to change all these meds. I'm like, I have no idea what these meds are. I got to look it up yeah. and I'll change the dose based on their recs. And I mean, it gets kind of scary, but you're under a pretty big umbrella and there's a pretty good safety net. You can all, um, you're resourceful as primary. You, you can know where to get help. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a, a cool learning experience and it made me very comfortable with patients with, uh, you know, a ton of comorbidities. Definitely. So kind of going back to what you mentioned earlier in this conversation, I know you mentioned that originally you were looking at allopathic schools and then, you know, you got into podiatry school. So what was it, I mean, in your work thus far through school, through residency, now you've been practicing in a private clinic for the past four years. What was it that kind of tells you like podiatry is for me and that, you know, you made the right decision or what was it originally for you that you were like, hey, I think this is something that I would I would like to see myself in. And now that you've gone through X amount of years through uh, through your uh, residency and your uh, work right now, that kind of tells you, like, I, I am where I am and I enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah, I well, I think that has a lot to do with self-awareness um, because you're it's 
you know, we grew up in a society where you're as a teenager expected to know what you're going to want to do for the rest of your life. And I think that's impractical. Um, I have had some classmates who thought they wanted to do podiatry and then they drop out like three years into it with a ton of debt and still no degree. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, that's just ha- come, it just comes down to knowing, you know, you got to do your research, knowing um, what your, your strengths and weaknesses are, what your interests are. For me, um, I've always been interested in healthcare and I've done like maybe 2000 hours of shadowing and I felt like pretty comfortable in the healthcare setting. Um, um, and I also knew I wanted to work with my hands. So those two things, you know, it's kind of easy to come up with like some kind of surgical specialty. Definitely. Um, yeah. and I, I shadow a podiatrist and you know it seemed like something that I could see myself doing and you know I wasn't 100% sure if this is definitely gonna be for me mm-hmm. but I knew that I, I make things work if it doesn't and if it if it does great um, so you know it, it's almost always a gamble to go into medical school because you never know um, and like if, you know there, there's a ton of examples if you kind of look into um, the internet of allopathic medical doctors that are five years into their into their practice and this they decide to switch to do something else mm-hmm. um and like it happens and you just hope it doesn't happen to you but if it does then you know you just hope your decision to switch careers is the right move for you um and i think this that just comes down to self-awareness definitely yeah i think that's very yeah. important yeah i agree um, I have a question for you. Um, so now you having been through podiatry school and residency, um, in your opinion, how important is it to be involved in school during those, you know, first two years that you are, um, you know, doing your schooling, like at the school that you're at, um, how important would you say it is to get involved in order to land a residency of your choice? Sure. So, yeah, I, I did a ton of extracurriculars. Like, I actually started a, uh, a Spanish club at Temple. Um, I joined, like, mm-hmm. you know, the sports medicine club. I was trying to run my own club um, and do all these things. And uh, my honest opinion is that you should do it only if you feel like it genuinely um, uh, gives you joy or if it, mm-hmm. if it feels like something that will improve some skill for you um i wouldn't do it if the only reason is to put on your resume because you're wasting your time you're not going to be engaged in the activities and you're not gonna uh, you know people can see right through you too it's going to be obvious um so that that's my advice and um sometimes like if you if you're not sure and you feel like you have the time to do it i encourage you to do it anyways because you never know what connections you might gain through those experiences. Actually, um, I, I can share with you that when I was in a sports medicine club, and I was doing a ton of volunteering, I was going to all these different cities uh, in the medical tent. Um, uh, actually, the, and that's what got me my job, actually. Um, okay. My first, okay. so um, I was volunteering at, uh, I think it was um, the Marine Corps Marathon, and there was a, uh, resident at the time uh, i was a third year at the time and there was a first year resident at the time who was um uh, in cleveland ohio and we we both kind of met and just chatted a little bit um and and then uh, we never exchanged numbers or anything but um 
years go by, he he's in a Limb Salvage Fellowship, and I was a uh, third year resident looking for a Limb Salvage Fellowship. Okay. And I found out that he was, you know, one of the fellows. I reached out and shadowed him, and he went to see if I liked it. Um, you know, and ended up deciding to just go straight into practice because this fellow he was recruited by the university of new mexico to start a limb savage program and then a year into that he was looking for a partner to help him and i was basically the only person he was interested in reaching out and even though we didn't know each other that well he remembered one of the things that i did was that when uh, we were volunteering um there was a group of us and we all wanted to do stuff in the main tent because that was where all the cool stuff came in. Uh, but the, the, the medical team needed two volunteers to go to the massage tent where, you know, after runners finish their run, they're in the massage tent and a lot of them have blisters. So while they're getting a massage, they also need someone to pop their blisters (laughs) and, you know, and when they were looking around, looking for two volunteers to do that, no one raised their hand. I'm like, shoot, I don't care. I'll do it. <laughs> like, why not? <laughs> so, so I just, I, I kind of find myself being the guy that does stuff that no one likes to do. I don't know why. It's just like, you know, like I'm, I'm just going to do it. So I did it. And then I think he was so impressed that I immediately volunteered to do something that no one else wanted to do that that somehow uh, made me stand out. Um, so... Yeah. So, yeah, he, he kind of recruited me in a way to help him with the Lensops program at the university. And that's how I um, ended up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. Yeah, so I guess based off of that, based off of that, I know you mentioned that you had the possibility of going into a fellowship or, you know, start your practice right away, which is what you decided to do. Is there any reason that kind of led you to want to start your practice right away as opposed to going into your fellowship? Are doing more of uh, working under someone during that fellowship year and learning more about limb salvage? Uh, yeah, it's, the decision was the decision was, decision was somewhat easy actually because I I was there was only two limb salvage fellowships I was interested in. Uh, like well, I guess there's three of them, but I was really looking at two. Uh, one is at Georgetown with Dr. Steinberg, um, and the other was at Southern Arizona with Dr. Armstrong. Uh, I wasn't too interested in going to Texas for some reason. I didn't know why, uh, but there was one there. Um, so I was applying to the one uh, by Armstrong, but at the time, Dr. Armstrong was like in the middle of leaving the university to go to Southern Arizona. So for for me to apply to a program where the director is like in the middle of leaving, uh, we're not sure if it was even going to be a fellowship anymore. Uh, that, that one was out of the picture. Apart to the one at, at Georgetown, I didn't get it. That that kind of made the decision a little bit easier for me. And around the, the whole time that that was happening, um, this pedi- I was in the middle of conversation with this podiatrist, and I told him, like, hey, I didn't get it, uh, so I'm, I'm actually looking to join a practice. Are you still looking for help? He said, like, absolutely. So flew me out for an interview, and I got the job a month later. Wow, that's awesome. That's really cool that uh, you know it, you were able to land a job immediately right out of residency and something that worked out for you, something that you wanted to be part of, and you know you're, you're you've been doing that for the past four years, correct? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, 
Yeah, so I, I worked at the university for a year and a half. Okay. Um, New Mexico is a pretty poor state, um, unless you're in medicine, but the university doesn't have a lot of funds. So um, they couldn't get the infrastructure up and running to man a second podiatrist. So I was basically, I mean, it sounds like a dream job. I was getting paid a full salary to work a day and a half of clinic and call every now and then. Okay. Um, I was basically working part time to pay full time, but um, I, I mean, I feel like as a young and hungry attending to be in a situation where you become complacent and just have bread roll in, that's not a good thing because it's not sustainable. Yeah. You need to get your numbers, you need to get your skills up and running, you need to get that experience, and I wasn't getting the experience I was looking for. So at the time, um, the VA, I knew that. Um, they were having some staffing issues. Apparently all three attendings just left. And so they had no attending. They only had one guy mm. and the guy running the entire program used to be my uh, professor at Temple. So I reached out to him. Um, I, I've been going to their journal clubs just because I was so bored yeah. <laughs> my job and nothing else. So I just attended their journal club, not knowing that, that that they had some spots available. But eventually, um, you know, I heard through a grapevine. So I reached out to the, the chief of the VA, uh, the podiatrist, and asked for, you know, to see if he's still hiring. And uh, so I submitted my application like literally a day before it was due because I just found out. And he was able to handpick me because he, he, he wants to focus on like reconstruction and he knew that I wanted to do them salvage. So we were, we would have been good partners. So I worked at the VA for a year and a half. Okay. Um, while there, you know, as a VA podiatrist, you don't control your schedule that much and you don't control the patients you see. So everything that comes in, you're doing. So that working at the VA, I got all my numbers from all the flat foot and cavus foot and you know, a bunch of trauma that came in. I, I got all my numbers in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was a cool experience. And I got to work with residents and students and um, that has been a great experience as well. That's awesome, yeah. So what we're gonna do is actually we're gonna transition into another segment and talk to you about your uh, clinic life after post-residency. So we'll wrap up this uh, segment and we'll move on to the next one, okay? Yep. All right, sounds good. We'll see you guys in the next segment.